Kaiju Network, where we have a very healthy obsession with Kaiju. I am your co-host, Kenton. With me is your other co-host. Jason, how's it going? Been about a few or so months. I was just about to say, Jason, it's been a number of months since we've actually done a regular episode. We spent about two and a half months or so uh, putting together Daikaiju Fest, so we've had on some level a bit of a reprieve. Uh, really kind of the last, what, two, two and a half weeks have been more of a reprieve. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's since just, the whole Daikaiju Fest. Yeah, it seems it seems like forever. The last time we did an episode, now is back in. Was it uh, late March? I believe. No, because uh, we did the 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 interview with Frank and Matt Matt Blair um, was our last one. That was uh, late May. Late May was the last oh, yeah. time. Holy shit. It was late May. <laughs> <laughs> You're way off. <laughs> you are way off. <laughs> you can see why I said it just felt like a long time. <laughs> well, in a way, it still has. But a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, you know, typically we do an episode about every other week. That's not going to happen here uh, a couple weeks from now. What we would have done a regular episode August 14th, but Jason's got some things he's got to tend to on that date. So what we're doing is we're moving everything uh, to August 21st. And on August 21st, we are going to be discussing the movie Galgameth. And this is a movie that you can find on YouTube. Uh, it looks deliciously terrible. And I'm looking forward <laughs> to discussing what looks to be an incredible abomination. I have a feeling it's going to be torturous to watch but a lot of fun to discuss um, so if you if you want to join us i mean granted here we are on several live streaming networks you know you guys can always chime in we always encourage that and uh you know you can yeah, do and, fun a few weeks from now and when it comes to uh, galgameth if you've heard the film uh pole gassery it's almost you can say it's sort of a retelling of that, because I believe the uh, person who did Pole Gassery, I think, also did this movie as well. I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to take a look at the whole kind of uh, brief history when it comes to Galgameth. By the way, are we live on YouTube? I am on our YouTube channel, and it's saying Waiting for Daikaiju Network. Uh, it's showing me here that it is online. Let me just, That's interesting uh, because I've refreshed the page twice and me, nothing's showing. Let me take a look. Well, it says live when I go to our uh, front page of that. And well, Jason's and, checking on that. And it, it's, it's showing live for me. Are, are you seeing it on YouTube on your end? Yep. That's interesting. <laughs> um all right. Uh, for whatever reason, it's not showing up on my end. Then it's just still got the the waiting screen. Makes, That's interesting. Probably going to have to do a hard refresh on your end there. Well, I'll just reload the page. But um, there we are. Uh, <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> But anyway, um, we are back. Uh, we are discussing Godzilla Singular Point, a season one of this however many season series that's going to uh, go on. Uh, this came out about two and a half, three weeks ago now at this point. Um, 
this was something we had considered covering for Daikaiju Fest, but considering uh, Jason wanting a certain amount of time to edit everything, put everything together for Daikaiju Fest, it just wasn't necessarily going to work out uh, well. And then with it being a 13-episode deal uh, at a half hour per episode, that's a decent time commitment. It took me, it took me like two and a half days, and I averaged – um, like five or so episodes um, a day. In fact, one of the days I actually did half of them. Um, so, um, you know, it, it was a decent time commitment. It just didn't quite work out for, for Daikaiju Fest and, and just for our personal schedules up until this point. And we wanted to take a little bit of break um, from everything as well, like we typically mm-hmm. have done over the years after a G-Fest uh, to just kind of detox ourselves just unwind as kind of our break so to speak from the podcasting world because uh, this year we uh, you know have been going at it a little bit harder because we found out earlier in the year unlike last year that g-fest was going to be canceled so we started doing a lot of planning as far as panels and stuff like that i started my first deal back in early march uh if you guys uh listen to it it's on our youtube channel the commentary for the japanese version of king kong versus godzilla that was the first thing that i recorded and i did that like in early march i mean and i remember doing that i remember sitting here in this chair i got a tv right over here and i remember sitting sitting here recording that commentary clear as day and you know i did several other things over the course of of the next couple of months and then we got together uh in early june to do our our you know duo uh, panels uh, were necessary and so um yeah it's it's still been very busy as far as recording so we needed a reprieve but we're back discussing godzilla singular point and sort of similar i i would say on some level in terms of the anime trilogy in terms of how from what i've seen the the fan response to it it seems like it's a tad more favorable but it still by and large seems like it's a pretty divisive um entry i'm seeing a lot of people say that toho just needs to forget about uh doing godzilla anime and all that um I, I will say the the anime features have definitely been, uh, in terms of their story content, anyways, more uh, thought provoking in many ways. Uh, you know, and some out there may take that as a take what I'm about to say as an insult, but I, I think on some level, I think the much of the Western Godzilla fandom at large doesn't want to be thinking much <laughs> when it comes to their giant monster stuff. I don't mind thought provoking stuff. In fact, I think mm-hmm. I find it refreshing, um, you know, uh, when it comes to this sort of thing, because otherwise you just kind of get the same old for what we've gotten throughout most of this franchise, which is more or less monster smash um you know and that stuff's fun but you got to push the boundaries of a franchise in order to make it relevant and in order to continue uh, to just keep it fresh otherwise the thing's gonna just die so and and when it comes to shows such as godzilla singular point and then spanning now into 13 episodes of course you're going to get more of a story development story focused uh type of show uh more or less when it comes to uh, just a one and done movie or uh, a movie just focusing on a specific issue in a in a span of like uh, one and a half 
YouTube, possibly three uh, three hours. Whereas this, you got thirteen half hour episodes. Yeah, and we don't know how long this thing's going to last. Uh, to my knowledge, I haven't seen any word as far as how many seasons they're looking to have. Obviously, they're going to have at the bare minimum one more season. Uh, whether this story arc concludes at that point remains to be seen. Um, but I will say, though, too, uh, in case I haven't said it, uh, and I don't think I've, I've said it on air here, uh, this is going to be one of those um, few episodes where Jason and I, I think our opinions on this particular entry are going to diverge. Um, this doesn't happen too often. Usually he and I think very similarly, if not almost exactly alike when it comes to a number of the, the movies and stuff uh, that we discuss here, simply because, hey, we're brothers. We're only a few months apart. So not that, you know, not like three months apart, obviously that's impossible, but (laughs) we're like a year and a half apart, basically. So like, you know, we were pretty similar in many respects and we grew up watching the same movies and and all that stuff too. So our our opinions on a lot of this stuff tend to be pretty similar, but uh, I think this is one of those times in which we're going to diverge here. And I think that's going to be good. I think that's going to be healthy. Um, You know, I got some questions here, some of which I posed to Jason earlier in the week as I was watching watching this thing in preparation for this episode um he may not even have all the answers now granted you know this is an ongoing series this particular story arc on some level it's concluded but it hasn't officially uh, it's kind of like the end of a chapter really you or know, you could say it's sort of or you could say it's sort of an end of a uh, like a saga or a storyline for one season and then it kind of tells uh tails in with a possible other story plot for the next season. It's sort of like the end of one of the two first Lord of the Rings stories. You get a particular story you're wanting to tell. That particular arc has ended, but the the story at large is still ongoing. So that's kind of what this is. Um, so Jason, I told Jason, and we're getting right to this here. I told him, I said, you're going to have to do the synopsis this time because I typically uh, do them I kind of got confused throughout most of the thing. I think kind of towards the end, certain things made sense. uh, But in the large scheme, there's still some questions that I have that I'm like, if I were to try to tell this, I don't necessarily think I would either get it right or, you know. So, so, Jason, take it away. The synopsis for season one of Godzilla Singular Point. (laughs) All right. So the setting is – Nigashio City, Chiba Free uh, Prefecture in the year 2030, engineer Yun Arikawa of the local doodle shop uh, Otaki Factory investigates happenings in a Western-style house, Lantha Abandoned. Uh, my uh, Kamino, a graduate student studying imaginary creatures, investigates mysterious signals uh, received from uh, Misa Kyoku, the former uh, Suguno uh, district's uh, administrative building. These two strangers visiting completely different places as part of a completely different investigations, both hear the same song. <coughs> Excuse me. As they become united, they are led into a battle beyond imagination involving the whole world. Godzilla's singular point features a brand new staff and an original story which depicts the young geniuses. They take on this unprecedented threat to the universe with their companions. 
All right, so that that is uh, you know probably a better synopsis than what I typically do. Let me guess, did you read it off of somewhere? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> got uh, I got it from Wikipedia. <laughs> I wondered. I even thought about doing that myself. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go that low. But yeah, when it comes to synopsis, <laughs> yeah, when it comes to synopsis with me, I'll tend to stutter and then do some long thinking. So I think this this way would be a little bit of a better way to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, for me, on some level, this at least this first season is going to be a tad hard. Um, to discuss part of it is because like i said just a moment ago i am still a little unsure as to how certain things unfolded in in a few areas second of all i'm not gonna lie i occasionally just drifted off and daydreamed at, at a few points over the course because i kind of got bored so that tells you right there i'm gonna be the one who's gonna be more the debbie downer on this particular season anyways um so i probably miss some things and another thing though too is i've only seen this series once up to this point um i didn't want to see it over our sort of little vacation period simply because um i kind of wanted jason and i to try to watch it at the same time uh that way we came into this podcast with a, a very fresh take on it the more i've thought about it since i wrapped up the series here a couple days ago is I wish now I would have <laughs> watched it at least once uh, after DKF and then watched it again this week. At least I, I would have had two viewings and maybe certain things would have become clearer. And then maybe on some level, at least on my end, I could provide maybe more context for certain things. But I'm going to be more of the um, Debbie Downer on this particular um, discussion, where, whereas Jason's going to be more the defender of it. Um, so by and large, you know, you, you, you kind of ended off in your synopsis with uh, our heroes going on this journey. And to try to add to that in terms of expanding upon some of what happens, basically Jet Jaguar, they invented Jet Jaguar, and Jet Jaguar ends up initially becoming a robot that they can – get in and control think of the jaegers and in, in the pacific rim movies uh eventually then much they smaller version <laughs> well yes that's what i mean yep. um and then eventually they program it to be a computer where it's controlled by one of their their computer you know one of their ai, AI interfaces that uh, and, was it uh yui uh, uh yun invented yeah, and then what ends up happening? May, uh, the the lead female character in this story, she is more or less kind of a physicist of sorts. Uh, she's a graduate student, and she ends up doing a lot of um, uh, investigating of physics and light. And then she and the character Yoon end up doing a hell of a lot of texting over their phones, as far as um, talking about. Um, the future, like can someone or something foresee the future? They start to hypothesize whether a, a kaiju like Angerus at one point could maybe foresee the future. And they're talking about these alternate realities. They end up talking about – they end up finding about a singular point and this um, – uh, I forget yeah, the, like the singular point thing. that um, – uh, It's like the singular point that um, kind of uh, – 
does things with the pet or records past and then kind of predicts the future sort of things, kind of like a space-time mm-hmm. continuum sort of yeah. point. And what they're doing is they're following the, the, the work of this scientist called Ashihara. This Ashihara just kind of upped and disappeared uh, for unknown reasons. And so she ends up kind of searching through his notes and starts finding out that there are different ways. And again, this is kind of where a lot of stuff begins to get a little fuzzy with me, where – as as shit is hitting the fan, they start to realize that Godzilla being one of the singular points, uh, they call it the catastrophe. It's about to unfold and that there are different sorts of like futures or alternate realities that could happen. They're not sure, obviously, what's going to happen other than it's very likely to be bad. And um, they send in their one computer program into this um, uh, supercomputer called Shiva, which is also uh, a a company named Shiva within the the series. And they start trying to figure out an alternate reality to try to stop what they call this catastrophe. And then (laughs) this series Um, (laughs) – and they keep talking about uh, kind of roughly maybe around episode four or five, they start talking about this sort of weapon uh, of sorts called the orthogonal diagonalizer. Shitty name. Um, but it looks like the oxygen oxygen destroyer, um, at least initially. The kicker is that the real orthogonal diagonalizer, as we find out within the last few minutes before credits hit, is that the <laughs> – <laughs> the, the real orthogonal diagonalizer was Jet Jaguar in various alternate realities who had always been around and shit and, <laughs> and ends up uh, kind of, at least for the moment, stopping Godzilla and the catastrophe. And at the moment, everything seems to be okay. Then you get the credits. After the post credits, or excuse me, after the credits, we see them working. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I think that should go without saying for us anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we see them working on. A Mecha Godzilla. It's the 74 design with some tweaks. I really like this design. I like this design of Mecha Godzilla. And then we see the supposed scientist who had gone missing. He comes in and kind of has this evil looking grin on his face. So, um, along with uh, working the people from uh, Shiva. Yeah, so there's obviously something going on there. Um, so that again, kind of in a nutshell, that's what it is. There's a lot of other details, but I want to get into this stuff because I really think there are some serious issues with this series, and I have more bad than good to say about this. And so I want and tip. Typically what I like to do with these discussions, even if it's something I don't like, I want to start off with the bad and end with the good to try to end on a better note. So I, what I would like us to do is for us to just start off with the bad. Uh, we, tra- we take turns. We each say a piece. We discuss it. Then we move on to the next point and all that. We keep doing that till we're done with the bad. Then we go with the good. What do you say? Fine with me. <laughs> Do you want to start off with something that you don't care for? Yeah. Um, when it comes to, um, I would say probably the biggest complaint that I probably would have comes with the evolution of Godzilla. And 
when it starts out, and I think you probably know this, is that he starts out looking like Titanosaurus. I mean, you can obviously see some of the traits of Titanosaurus in this. And it looks much different compared... Uh, and Kent didn't quite touch on this, that there's a painting, kind of one of the, some of the, one of the plot devices that sort of is like uh, talking about the prophecy and everything that has... Uh, Godzilla and then Rodan included in this painting and the paintings with Rodan they look similar to the ones that actually do appear in this show but then when it comes to uh, Godzilla he looks completely different from this painting here you know basically red looking like Titanosaurus in a, in a way and then once he uh, uh, was it uh gets onto land when he gets onto land there and then is enshrouded by this uh red dust it follows all the kaiju minus angerus i think angerus was the only one that didn't have the red dust not that i know of which which is strange i hope which which now that i think about it that is a little bit strange um that better be explained because that's a plot hole if they don't yeah but uh yeah, when it comes to the red dust, it sort of reminds me of that uh, the red sand from Godzilla vs. Megalon, and there are and there are some characters in there besides uh, Jet Jaguar that are associated with that movie. But um, yeah, when it, when Godzilla lands into Tokyo there and then shrouded with this red dust and then starts to evolve, all of a sudden he turns into like Ferran in a way, but for some strange reason. And I get that they're, from what I've seen throughout this entire season, that they're trying to uh, placate or try to have some some of these monsters uh, kind of as Easter eggs, in a way. But it just, to me, it just felt a little bit forced in a way and just not quite as organic uh, compared... <laughs> I know you can probably hate this. Not quite as organic compared to Shin Godzilla evolution. Um, that's just the thing that I didn't really care for for this evolution. I, I'd say when it comes to the Godzilla evolution, I would say that the Shin Godzilla version did it the best so far from what we've seen. And then along with that... The design for Megalon, which is a bit weird <laughs> in a way for me, it was just kind of sort of hard to adjust. And then when they, uh, our protagonists, it, along with uh, JJ, where we're kind of uh, caught up with all these uh, Megalons in a way, and then slicing and dicing them, you see like this. Uh, bluish green goo coming out from Megalon and then at one those of the are Megalons? I thought those were supposed to be Kumungas. No, they they're they're Megalons. Just I mean you can see the like the his uh horn design and then his little oh, I didn't notice. things. Yeah and but there are Hedoras that come out of these slices yeah. of Megalons. What the hell? Yes and that's kind of some of the things that were just sort of forced in, like these Easter eggs that were just sort of forced in to kind of bring up these member berries for the fans. <laughs> it's pandering. And it's one yeah. of the things that I had issues with Shin Godzilla. 
I want to, since you brought it up with the evolution of Godzilla, this sort of ties into one of my points that is even a larger point that I want to make as far as the bad. To just for a brief second talk about the specific point of Godzilla's evolution and anybody associating with Godzilla, especially over Japan, they need to cut this shit out. Um, in my opinion, both times they've done a Godzilla evolution, it hasn't worked. Uh, I will agree with you in terms of how organic it looks. Yes, Shin did it better. The design's better here. Um, just because I thought they looked cooler and they didn't look as anywhere near as hideous as in Shin Godzilla. But this evolution of Godzilla needs to stop. Okay, so... Since you touched upon it, I'm going to skip down to one of my negative points here. And um, in fact, it's actually the, the number two one that I wrote down. Um, and I'm just going to read it here because I got a number of examples here. Much of these 13 episodes, especially during the moment Godzilla becomes more prominent in the story, is a copy of Shin Godzilla. You have this mysterious scientist. This is starting the examples, by the way. You have this mysterious scientist who disappears, and much of the main characters are attempting to figure out what he has written and discovered. There's one example. Ashihara uh, in this one. And then you had whatever the, the one character's name in Shin Godzilla whose boat was – discovered and yet he was missing at the beginning of shin godzilla the metamorphoses of godzilla are three just like in shin coloring is reminiscent of a lot of the red we saw in shin the bombing of godzilla from above on his spines is very much like the bunker buster bomb moment in shin excuse me Godzilla's final form, nuclear blast, along with his lower jaw opening enormously wide and the massive destruction of Tokyo as a result of that initial blast in his final form, is reminiscent of Shin as well. Basically, what I'm saying there is when Godzilla's in his final form and he uses his fire breath, the destruction and sort of the look of that beam and, and what happens there in this um, – singular point is looks very similar to what we got in shin at least um, at least the one thing that he didn't have beans come out from his back or tail thank god um <laughs> godzilla's quote-unquote cocoon state is the same type of deal that happened in shin when he was in a temporary hibernation mode even his tail is incredibly long not only do I not like Shin Godzilla, the fact that so much of this is a rehash of Shin Godzilla and some type of attempt at a sequel is not what I wanted. The rehashing of stuff done before is lazy storytelling. Um, that is one of the bad points I have about this particular um, uh, 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 series is that basically once Godzilla becomes involved, this so much reminds me of Shin Godzilla. I, I just could not believe the the mirroring that I was seeing here. Like, not only did I knew that Godzilla was metamorphosizing in this series, I didn't. I didn't in, either. Yeah. No. Well, I no. I'm saying I did. Not only did I know that, because um, I knew that before even watching it. Uh, I didn't think too much of it, but once it started unfolding within the story and and how it happened, I realized, holy shit, they want to on some level redo Shin Godzilla while at the same time sort of bringing in a pseudo sequel uh, of sorts to Shin Godzilla, and. 
I had to laugh because in, in Godzilla's second form here, when he has some more prominent dorsal spines and he's walking in between two skyscrapers and they drop this big bomb or two on his back, I'm like, that is exactly like what happened in Shin. I'm, I'm, and I became angry. I'm like, because when I talked about that movie here almost, what, five years ago now, I remember saying one of my issues with that movie was pandering to a lot of fans, like how that score just reused so many scores. Um, just the fact, too, that there were certain types of Easter eggs in there that I'm just like, they did nothing to the story at large. This particular series is doing similar things. They are pandering to the fan base while not making any real attempt at a more uh, substantive, newer story here. And even though in a larger sense they are, when it comes to some of the more specific points like the Godzilla and some of the kaiju action, especially with the, 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 the singular Godzilla moments in this series, it is very reminiscent of Shin. And I take huge issue with that. Um, I'm someone that's like, look, if you've done it once, don't do it again because it's already been done. Tr give me something new. It may not work, you know, but at least you tried something new. So I'm really disappointed with how they took care of most of those singular Godzilla moments here. Um, I did not like it at all. Uh, to me, it was another rehash of a movie that I absolutely just abhor. And it just – I did not want that again. Mm -hmm. So since I already said a piece, you can go do another piece that you didn't like. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not entirely sure if I got the point uh, when it comes to the red dust, which is sort of – kind of one of the uh, plot devices in a way. I don't know if there was a real main reason as to why there's this red dust that uh, keeps reproducing uh, from like from behind the monsters and everything uh, except for Anguirus for some strange reason as well as uh, the, Meg uh, the Megalons. Too, for that matter. Uh, I know that they kind of sort of touched upon some of the molecular uh, aspects of the red dust here and there, but I'm not sure if I quite uh, catch sort of the main reason as to why there's this red dust that keeps spewing from the monsters wherever they go. And that's sort of kind of made me confused in a way I thought it was, it was sort of a thing that dealt with uh, Rodan possibly in a way but you know as, as the story prog progressed it kind of you know was a part of some of the other monsters again except for Anguirus and Meg uh, Megalon and when it came to Godzilla he just produced massive massive amounts of the red dust so i don't know if like if they could have been like the same species with this red dust that sp sprouted from the ocean in some specific part or if there's yeah that's sort of the one thing i kind of got confused on yeah i i know they made 
two, if not several attempts at trying to explain it initially within the first handful of episodes, but they were all theories. I don't think any of them uh, were proven to be correct. So I think the jury is still out on that as far as what all that red dust means. But I do remember them talking about, you know, is it the Rodan's way of trying to um, – create their own environment that is more habitable to them that that was one theory that was brought up i remember and then another one um they talked about something where uh jellyfish had somehow sucked up like similar red dust at like a odd number of years earlier and it i can't remember they said it either made them bigger or something and then i think Um, it's source spouted a new jellyfish species or yeah something. like it was yeah it's had something to do with that um and again i think the jury's still out on that um like i said earlier you know Angerus didn't have it and like you just said the megalons didn't have it either uh, i hope that's explained because if not that is a big plot point uh, a big plot hole that that just as never explained because those are the t- only two kaiju at this moment in time that come into the move uh well i keep saying movie uh, ke- uh come into the series that that don't spew that because you have the mandas that come in and do that godzilla does it for sure and um um uh, you know the rodans as well by the way th- this was something um this to me is going to be a negative uh, and i didn't have it written down um didn't you get a feeling that on some level with the Rodans that they sort of were trying to copy on some level um, uh, the, the the Gamera trilogy from the 90s, that the Rodans were kind of acting like the Gauss on some level? As far as uh, flying in huge flocks, probably, yeah. Just a bunch of them that they're attacking people and, and all that. Well, I think from – what they were doing is going after more of the electronic, which is kind of another thing. Right, yeah. With uh, Legion, where they attacked all the silicon or uh, electrical stuff. Nevertheless, I feel like it's trying to copy those 90s Gamera's movies with what they're, how they're handling the Rodans. In a way, I probably I, I found say. that kind of annoying. <laughs> I didn't mind the fact that they had m- numerous Rodans, but the way they handled them I thought was very reminiscent of how they handled like the Gauss anyways. Maybe it's sort of a coincidence that they probably did not even know. It very but. well could be. Maybe they didn't they just did and it just so happened that it turned out to be similar. Mm-hmm. You got any other uh negative points you want to hit on? Um, mm, I really can't think of much on my end as far as negatives. All right, so sit back, relax. We're going to have a discussion here for a bit on more negatives here. Because um, I got, I still got quite a bit of a list here. So the frequent mass fast-paced texting between May and noon uh, is beyond annoying to me. The subtitles couldn't even keep up at times, and the discussion was too brisk uh, to try and keep up with. I got sick of that very fast. Uh, I don't know about you, but the fact that 
you know, it, they talk too fast. Granted, part of that is I think the English language trying to keep up with the Japanese language is part of it. But then subtitles can do it. The fact, though, too, that you, you just can't keep up with it. It's too fast. Um, I think there are better storytelling methods to get this stuff across. And what it ends up becoming – um, is exposition to try to tell the audience, okay, stupids, here is what we're talking about. Here is where we think it might go. Well, and I think with them talking over while the doing the tech stuff, I kind of understand later is that that's kind of what uh, the text is saying is what they're talking about over uh, while the text is going up. But I can kind of... S- and I think from what I've seen that they use sort some of the subtitles when it comes to these uh, little GIF icons and stuff that sprout right. up from time to time. But yeah, I can sort of understand, especially for those that I haven't checked the subtitled uh, original language version of this. I just listened to the uh, the English dub version, but um, but yeah, the. The dubbing over the text and stuff, I think, at least helped out of what the text. It did, but it was it was brisk. I I wouldn't have cared too much if it only happened maybe a a couple times, but the fact that it happens so frequently throughout the thirteen episodes, it made me realize about the fourth or fifth time that not only is it just ridiculously annoying, uh, but it's a bad way of getting your story across to the audience which tells me that the the writers for this series um just aren't that good uh but at the same time too if they really put enough thought to it they could have figured out other ways of getting this information across to the audience as well because i realized that these were exposition dumps this wasn't so much for the characters this was for the audience basically not only trying to explain what just happened so to speak but also in a way trying to prepare the audience for where certain things could go and that to me is bad writing. Uh, it's very lazy. There are significantly better ways this could have been done. And like I said, to just the method of trying to keep up with it, the subtitles couldn't do it. Even the dub couldn't keep up with it. I would hate to watch this on subs only um, because this to me would be an, even a bigger nightmare to try to keep up on the subs if you did that only. Um, I did not like it one bit. I, I thought it was terrible. I, I thought it was a bad storytelling method. Um, so let's see here. All right, another point here. Speaking of storytelling, that is what is the worst part about this series. The inability of the writers to be more concise in their writing and to be able to convey those thoughts cohesively makes this project come off pretentious and bad. This 13-part series could have easily been cut into about six or seven episodes max, and the series would have been better served if the writers did a better job. Also, with physics being a huge part of the story, the writers have to assume that much of their audience isn't familiar with the subject. Granted, for a Japanese audience, perhaps their people, as a result of the requirements for their education, are familiar with the subject. However, in the United States, that's not the case. So I know uh, with this point, I may sound a a little bit hypocritical in saying that they need to explain some of the physics to us, even though I just criticize them for this exposition dump. (laughs) 
my point is that um, uh, twofold in what I'm saying there is that um, uh, there are better ways of getting points across through better storytelling methods without basically taking a time out and sort of in, in a roundabout way speaking to your audience. Um, and another way too is that there's a lot of wasted time here because when you really think about it, and this is one of my biggest points that I'm disappointed about in this series is that if Jet Jaguar was indeed the orthogonal diagonalizer all along, why didn't this robot mention that so much sooner? Because what they ended up doing was spending uh, – basically wasting so much time uh, – going after certain things that ultimately did not matter and as a result this story got dragged out so much longer than it needed to and what may ended up doing throughout a vast majority of this series really did not matter much um i'm very disappointed because what you what i looked at when i thought about this when it concluded was that i could cut this down to almost half and you would have a more concise cohesive story that would make more sense as a result we're going on a journey where in the grand scheme of things a lot of what happened especially in may's camp did not matter well and i think one of the reasons too is that uh this song that keeps reoccurring throughout this entire season and it's named Alapoop uh, Upala and it's basically sort of this specific song that keeps reoccurring and I think it sort of triggers uh, something within uh, the kaiju and everything. It does, yeah. And from what uh, Yoon and then I think May were uh, discussing throughout this entire thing is that it's basically a code by you know there's a code within this song that's been embedded by this one scientist that Ashihara Ashihara that's uh, gone missing and and I know throughout this entire show that they've been trying to crack it but they haven't even with uh, Yoon's uh, AI for that matter until one of the AIs that uh, may download herself through his uh website and everything where he is where he's offered this entire ai program for free that her ai uh counterpart goes in and dives in through this uh, singular point or this supercomputer of shiva and then uh goes through the past and stuff sees the the main scientists and then uh basically uh, decodes everything where it becomes more or less like a specific date and, and all that and then you get that uh, diagonalizer uh, well yeah weapon. that's what I'm saying is it didn't matter because what they found out is they found out all these numerous dates and they were saying that those dates trace back to these number of texts that Yoon and May had sent and that there was even a code within all of those that was supposed to be the code that set off this orthogonal diagonalizer, which at the time I'm like, okay, where is this weapon? Because they used two of them already. And again, these things look like, exactly like the oxygen destroyers. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, where is this other orthogonal diagonalizer weapon you're talking about? You guys don't have it anywhere. Where is it? And then second of all, 
in the end, it didn't matter because Jet Jaguar was that. It, it that's what I'm saying is it didn't matter. And so when Jet Jaguar became this AI controlled robot, why didn't Jet Jaguar come out and just say it? Because one of the other issues, and again, I didn't have this written down, is that their uh, robots in this series act very human. And they even kind of show emotion uh, – well, not show, but express emotions verbally. That's not what robots do. And I'm very disappointed. It's, it's a very, very much a huge cheat that they pulled here with the robots and all that. Um, so much of what happens here with our characters in terms of this mission of figuring out the orthogonal diagonalizer and these special codes and all this, it didn't matter. You could have, yes, had a journey about it, but it didn't need to be this long. Uh, it didn't need to be 13 half-hour episodes. You could have had you know, between five to seven episodes where they're figuring this out with more action-packed episodes and just stuff that matters more to the story instead of dragging it out in the fashion that they did here. That is my problem with it because – it's 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 like um you know someone saying look let's go on this road trip you know we live in new york we're gonna drive all the way to california for this huge concert i don't know exactly what it is but it's gonna be huge you know it's gonna be the big event of the decade and you drive over three thousand miles across the country you get there and you realize it's nothing more than a local band you know, you're going to be pissed because you spent all that time, money, and 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 what have you on that journey, and in the end, a lot of it did not matter. Well, and then when it comes to anime and stuff, you probably don't watch quite as much than I do. But uh, when it comes to the amount of episodes that they do for a season, it's usually around uh, twelve to thirteen episodes and sometimes it can be 24 but i think uh the usual amount that they usually do for animes like this i think 12 or 13 is good enough well yeah but my point though is the story my i don't have an issue with the um number of episodes other than the fact that the writing in terms of the 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 bulk of the story that they're trying to tell didn't need to be this long so what they needed to do is redo their story for that they 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 needed to redo it is what i'm saying the writing here in my opinion is not good at all because uh, this I, when I realized what was going on, I, I was like, so much of what just happened did not matter because the damn robot could have told them sooner. And at the same time, too, those that code could have meant more. Instead, what the writers chose to do was to say, no, these are dates from text you guys sent to each other. And even then there's a code. And even then in the grand scheme of things, that code didn't matter. The writing is terrible because none of that mattered in the well, grand scheme of things. Well, when it comes to the robots and stuff with the AIs, like even, even it couldn't even try to figure out some of the stuff until later on when it tried to make sense of things and when it tried to explore uh, certain areas, especially in the the Shiva computer. 
in that regard and then is trying to make sense of a lot of things you know going to the past and trying to figure things out and then sort of led up to that point so it's like even ai sometimes it doesn't quite understand certain kinds of codes and what it tried to mean and everything yeah, May's computer didn't, and I would expect that. But Jet Jaguar, when it became an AI, before it w- went and got into baby form there at one point, uh, because it had to reboot or something, uh, it could have immediately told them, look, this orthogonal diagonalizer that so-and-so is looking for, I am it. So here's what we got to do, you know. And And then at the same time, too, when I'm talking about the code, I'm not blaming the characters in this point. I'm blaming the writers because that code meant nothing in the grand scheme of things because it basically ended up in a roundabout way telling them Jet Jaguar was the orthogonal diagonalizer. Jet Jaguar should have told them that earlier, which would have meant that that code and all that stuff was moot. It means nothing. And all it was was a contrived mess for our characters to go on this journey that in the grand scheme of things means nothing is what I'm saying. I'm blaming the writers on this thing. That's what I'm saying. Well, even with Jet Jaguar, I think it's it's still sort of the same thing because it's also the same AI too, and then right, to- but it, right, but as it was fighting Godzilla, it told Yoon, "I need to tell you something. I am the orthogonal diagonalizer. I am Jet Jaguar. I and it said something to the effect of, I have always been around. I am the past, and I am the present, and I am the future. I have always been here in many different forms, or something to that extent. Um, that's the thing, though. Jet Jaguar should have said that much sooner before it had to do that hard reboot thing. Well, and I think." Well, and then with uh, that supercomputer of Shiva exploding too and uh, trying to have the AI transport and everything, and I think that it found the answer where that supercomputer was. Uh, Mai's AI sent some of the information and all that over. And if that is true, that was not made clear. If that was true, that was not made clear in the story. So, I mean, still in the grand scheme of things, it was a journey that not only should have been shortened, but there were aspects within the story that ultimately did not matter, is what I'm saying. This Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring journey should have been like half as long. That's what it should have been is what I'm saying. I don't care if they have a code. That's fine. But the way they went about it in terms of what it actually meant in the end was terrible. They should have rethought that whole thing. Uh, Okay, so here we are continuing down my enormous list of uh, Kent being pissed off at this series. Um, The death of Anguirus and the characters not following up on whether or not the kaiju could indeed foresee the future and how it was able to do that. So what I'm saying is uh, if you remember when they found out that uh, it would shake its spikes – Right before someone would shoot like a gun at it, they had an idea that maybe it could foresee the future. 
which was why like half a second before someone would shoot their gun at it, it would shake its spikes and uh, ricochet the bullets and stuff off into a different direction. They never followed up on that as far as whether or not Angerus in Decor could foresee the future. It is implied that it possibly could, but once the kaiju is dead, that's it. They, they, they leave that part of the story. Angerus more or less was poorly served in this story. All Angerus really served for in the end was one of its tusks was used as Jet Jaguar's main weapon for like the final couple of episodes. <laughs> poor, poor guy. <laughs> he was fodder just to get some sort of tusk weapon for a robot that didn't do its job, really. <laughs> but uh, do you have anything to add about that? Mm, nope, not really. All right, continuing Kent's pissed off journey here. Um, the score for this is barely noticeable, and when it becomes noticeable, isn't that good. It's arguably the worst score in any Godzilla feature story. I came awfully close to buying the score for this uh, earlier in the month. Uh, I'm glad I didn't, but th the part of me is there's a part of me that's very much a completist when it comes to certain Godzilla things like scores. I own every single Godzilla score. Well, you bought yourself that uh, new Mortal Kombat movie, so why don't you <laughs> do it with this? Well, well I'm a Mortal Kombat fan, um, so that's part of it. But at the same time, like I told you, I want to see – it's a train wreck. Like I got to understand why this <laughs> thing is terrible. But <laughs> Could it just wreck I, it? I still may end up buying the score to this – ridiculous you know anime just because i'm a completist when it comes to godzilla scores because like i just said a second ago i own all the godzilla scores um you know the godzilla music and all that like to me film scores are a big deal like i like listening to that stuff i know you do too um you know that to me is a big deal but <laughs> i don't want to buy this awful score but I have a feeling I will anyways, just so I can be like, it's part of my collection, but boo. <laughs> Do you I have mean, anything to say about the score? Well, when it comes to score, yeah, you can – they do add in the Godzilla theme in there. That's probably pandering things that you'll recognize. But when it comes to uh, animes and stuff, like this kind of specific – anime not some of the other generic ones but this specific anime they'll tend to have kind of the more random-esque uh type of songs and everything here and there you know when i've watched uh cowboy bebop or some of the other ones from the past and even some uh of today that they'll tend to have some of these weird obscure type of uh music so uh, down to the brass tacks i'm sort of used <laughs> to these uh weird obscure type of music that they add in for these uh specific animes so it's not so much that it's obscure it's just that i don't think it's good period hey, turn off your phone <laughs> i can't <laughs> um but um I, I just don't think it's all that good again we get the uh famous akira ifukube godzilla theme yes that's always nice to hear but again i i i you know ifukube has been gone since what 2003 um <sighs> 
let's drop that for all future installments. Like, I think it was kind of neat when they did it in King of the Monsters because, you know, an American production, uh, you know, had never done anything like that before. I'll make an exception for something like that, but I still think it is pandering. Uh, I had an awful time when Shin Godzilla reused not only that piece of music, but various pieces of music from um, – uh, uh, the no, it wasn't the Mysterians. Um, it was what was the pseudo sequel to that one? Um, um, sequel to Mysterians. Yeah. Um, oh, what was that one called? Uh, with the saucers, and they take over. Uh, um, um, and they are on the moon, and they destroy the alien base on the moon, and then Gorath. there's the, no, not Gorath. Um. Um, what is it? Hey, Lincoln, let's see, you're here. Um, you see the Rebirth of Mothra Blu-ray down there? Oh, it's a Battle in Outer Space. Oh, never mind, Lincoln. Battle in Outer Space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I mean. Um, what the hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, the it, the Shin Godzilla reused some music from that. I even reused music from Godzilla vs. My Godzilla Two. Like to me, that was all just pandering. And to me, anymore, when you use Ifuku Bay's Godzilla theme, it's pandering. I know it's synonymous with Godzilla, but you know, for example, uh, Tim Burton's Batman from 1989. Danny Elfman scored the Batman theme. That is the Batman theme that was used in the animated series that followed up shortly after that. And a lot of people think that that is like the perfect Batman theme. But guess what? You don't hear it in all these other films. Yeah, you did hear moments of it in the theatrical version of Justice League. Um, but otherwise, it's never been reused. Joel Schumacher didn't use it in his two films. Christopher Nolan didn't. It wasn't used in the Batman versus Superman. You know, so, like, let's stop it. Like, it's just pandering. You know, I, I just don't care for the score here. Well, it's they, just not good. Remember, they, they sort of did. <laughs> they sort of did kind of the new theme, particularly in the the millennium series there started with Godzilla and i didn't like it there either <laughs> again uh, you know it was fine while he was alive but you know he passed away i think it was 2003 well i'm not i'm not talking about the fukubei one i'm talking about the new godzilla theme in the millennium series oh that started okay. out no. with uh, godzilla 2000 so <laughs> oh <laughs> Oh, we got confuzzled there. <laughs> well, you did. All right. <laughs> All right. So continuing on here on my uh, yellow brick road of madness here, um, we sort of touched upon this a bit earlier, but the orthog orthogonal diagonalizer. Oh, what a name. I mean, I couldn't uh, – couldn't a better name have been created? That name has to change. It all sounds confusing, but more than anything else, it sounds pretentious. Well, and I didn't then like that name. and then with the no word <laughs> similar design of the oxygen destroyer, it 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 was sort of executed much differently than the oxygen destroyer, and. Uh, and then I'm trying to figure out as to the reason how 
that whole thing was made and then as well as solidifying that red dust to kind of make it like these long irregular kind of jagged spikes but the funny thing though too and i'm just realizing this right now is that they call that the orthogonal diagonalizer but then they find out that for whatever reason that what they believed was the orthogonal diagonalizer, which was the weapon that they had created, was not the orthogonal diagonalizer, and that Jet Jaguar was the orthogonal diagonalizer. And like Okay. <laughs> this movie broke me. <laughs> it, it, so again that doesn't make sense because if what they thought was the orthogonal diagonalizer, couldn't it still be the orthogonal diagonalizer in their own way? It just doesn't make sense. But anyways, the name is bad in this whole coming up with a weapon that they thought was it but wasn't. No. (laughs) I can see that they sort of abbreviated, when you look at it, same abbreviation as Oxygen Destroyer, but I'm not entirely sure the reason behind the renaming part, even though it was more, more or less used in the air against the red dust solidifying it whereas the oxygen destroyer obviously in water destroying all the oxygen or sucking it all up yeah okay I still don't like it (laughs) um the idea in the final episode they can move Ashihara's code to the past is preposterous. If it was that easy, then the delay could be indefinite if they desired. So uh, what I'm saying there is if you remember where they were saying uh, because Ashihara created this code, they can move in, move it further into the past so it would allow themselves more time to try to find the answer or the code to activate the orthogonal diagonalizer. You know what I'm talking about? Like the little computer cat in there got on a ship and went to the past. Yeah. That's what that was about. What I'm complaining about there is that that is contrived because what all it's doing, first and foremost, is taking uh, suspense out of the story, first off. Second of all, it doesn't make any sense in any type of real-world situation anyways because basically what it's saying is you more or less – turn back time you go to the past in a roundabout way but they aren't technically going into the past they're more or less sort of like distancing their uh, the the catastrophe from from happening within mere moments and, and so what they're doing is just saying hey let's go back and i'm going no that doesn't happen because events that happen in the real world like if a tornado is coming at you you can't be like look well you got to take that forecast and rewind it because you know this just isn't gonna work right here that's kind of what they're doing is this bad thing's coming let's turn back time but in a way we aren't turning back time (laughs) and it's just like no first and foremost you're taking away suspense because that's what we want here we want our heroes to save the world uh you know in the last moment or are they not going to save the world who knows but then it's like well let's just 
let's just go back in time. Let's just try to figure it out. But then it's going, no, you take the suspense away. And at the same time, that's not how it works. It's just like, then you can't find the answer. And it's just like, no, you don't do that. You know, I come to the realization you're thinking way too much into this stuff. (laughs) Well, this is stuff. No, let me tell you something. Typically, please stop doing that. Uh, Typically when I, um, that was my son, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening to the audio version. I wasn't telling Jason to stop that. <laughs> but what did I do? Made, my, my son almost <laughs> knocked me out of my chair here. Um, this stuff just happened to me. Like typically I don't think that much during movies. I just kind of take it as it comes. But I've gotten to a point where I catch certain things here and there if they come up. And so this was one thing where I realized they were saying, well, just go back in the past. And immediately my first thought was no, because you just killed suspense, you know, because you know how like everybody's like, do you cut the red wire, the green wire, you know, and the clock's ticking, you know, and, you you know, the audience is there with you. It's like, oh, are they going to make the right decision? Are they going to blow up? You know, that's kind of what this situation was. And the guy's like. Why don't we just, you know, go back into the past? And I just, my first thought was no, because you just killed Spence. And then they did it. And I'm like, no, you killed Spence. And then I thought about it for like a moment later. And I go, that makes no sense anyways. That's contrived. That's what I'm saying about that. It just my first thing, like I said, was that it killed suspense because then the catastrophe can be indefinitely averted until they can for. So that's a no, no partner. All right. We're getting a little close to the end of my list here. That's that's why I just turn off my brain because all of it is just Toho science. So you just don't need this is some of the worst Toho science. So that particular moment right in the top three easily if not the top because it just it killed the suspense to begin with and then at the same time i'm going that's not how that works <laughs> like i am willing to go how with laser beams that? and all that stuff but how would you know that you that not works like i just told you like if a tornado was coming this way i can't go call up the local uh, weather station and be like, no, you got to like somehow rewind your forecast here because this thing is coming. I want to avert it. You got to give me more time. Like that's not when events are about to happen, they're going to happen whether you want to or not is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. On to the next point. We're going to leave that one in the past. <laughs> but, um, um I brought up to you, but I want the audience to hear about it, and maybe somebody out there uh, can explain it to me unless you have since figured it out. And is Shiva responsible for the dimensional mishap? Because I thought Godzilla and maybe the other kaiju were. If that's the case, then why the hell did they need the orthogonal diagonalizer? All they would need to do is stop Shiva, meaning the supercomputer. Well, on that and then I think that you saw my response to that, where I have one response and then a possible response when it comes to season two, or as a story progresses, right. about uh, that I, from the way that I got it, when watching this season of Singular Point, it didn't feel like that they were that they weren't responsible, but I wouldn't uh, 
get it past or I wouldn't bet that as the story progresses and a possible season two comes with how it ended and in setting it up, I wouldn't be a bit surprised that Shiva is the one that's actually responsible. And with kind of my theory is, is if they are responsible, that they wanted to at least bring out Godzilla destroy him that's one of the reasons why they wanted this orthogonal diagonalizer is destroy him first and then with the end the very end part with the post credit building a mecha godzilla with whatever reason that they're doing it for they didn't quite say it but there could have been a reason as to why they could have been responsible and then building mecha godzilla out I always thought Shiva on some level was responsible because we talked a little bit earlier about the music and how even in the show, they believe that that music on some level was attracting the Rodans. But then didn't they say Shiva too was sort of uh, at least uh, responsible for some of the alternate uh, futures as well? Because isn't that what it was doing? Was it had all these different uh, probes out there just kind of sending waves, kind of um, – more or less bringing about a potential alternate future because that to me because again again i understand there's a second season to this but at the same time this still needed to be better explained because my understanding at least at first was that the kaiju were responsible for it then to me it sounded like the shiva supercomputer was ultimately responsible um, for that. And if that is indeed true, then all they would need to do is to just shut down, destroy this computer, and then that is that. Well, And, and then the kaiju then actually with, aren't even needed. Well, and then with the protagonist, they, prob- they probably didn't even know that was the case. And I think there's probably a much more deeper, complex uh, behind-the-scenes dealings going on with Shiva and how they're doing sure, yeah. if that if that is respond if they are responsible. And with the head scientist there at the very end that we see him with that sort of evil grin, I wonder and then with that sort of thinking it it's sort of hard to pronounce in a way. But um with him kind of at that very end in the post credits and then with that evil grin, it sort of also makes you think too if he had a if there was a reason of him you know putting the specific code and stuff to trigger all the kaiju and everything too and i think they'll probably better explain it in season two if if they ever get around to it and what was the real reason of trying to trigger all the kaiju uh chaos in the first place Right. But then again, it's just like – because I do believe – to me, it sounded like Shiva was more responsible. But then, of course, too, it's coinciding with this um, like legend that you know the red dust and all that with Godzilla and the Rodans. So is it, it – is, it's either sheer – it's maybe like this, the case of Godzilla versus Godzilla 74 where there was this legend about you know the sun rising in the west and – and a monster will appear to destroy the world. Well, the aliens found that out before the humans did, so they reenacted that to make the people think that 
you know, this prophecy was coming true. And in the end, on some level, it kind of was true because the sun was rising in the West that helped bring about King Caesar. But um, here, I, I feel like on some level they're trying to do that, but they're, again, the writing is terrible because they're not being clear about it. They want it to be both ways. They want it to be both the Kaiju and Shiva. And I'm like, it can't be both because one has to be the driver. You can't have both because it, doesn't make sense if you have both then what's the point you know is my is what i'm saying either the kaiju are responsible for this or that supercomputer is well since you bring up that sort of uh, scenario from godzilla vs mega godzilla 74 i'm guessing that they're that they've sort of possibly came up with that story themselves to or sort of uh, copied that uh, plot line or storyline the writers did from uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 74. Well, yeah, and it could be. I, I'm not saying they copied it, but I'm saying it's similar to how that story unfolded is what I'm saying. Yeah, but and that it, one it, was better told. That one was cleaner and more cohesive as a story. That one was easy to follow. This one isn't. It's trying to have its cake and eat it too, and it it can't do that um uh, we already talked about this point about jet jaguar being the orthogonal diagonalizer and how everything else is end up meaningless if that's true so we'll skip to my final point here uh characterizations are bland while i don't necessarily dislike any of these characters i cannot connect to the heroes nor do i fully understand the villains excuse me Sure, there will be another season, but with such a mass of events taking place throughout these 13 episodes, getting to understand a modicum of the villains and heroes is essential here, so we have some idea of what we have. So again, it's sort of the writing, but this time it's more character-specific. And that I just don't – we don't know anything about their personal lives really. Uh, we can't connect with them or even understand them on certain levels because everything – starting out of the gate, you know, Jet Jaguar, you know, stuff hits the fan and orthogonal diagonalizer, orthogonal diagonalizer, orthogonal diagonalizer, light bending, light bending, light bending. Can you foresee the future? Never going to give you up. Never going to let you <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think as far as the characters I think that they've sort of that they've at least ironed out of some of the things that they have done in the past here as far when it comes to Yoon and, and May that you at least get a basic understanding of some of their background history here and there, the reason that they're in their specific, their own specific fields there. And I think that's sort of kind of all you needed to know. And it's sort of kind of the same thing when it comes to the other uh, Godzilla films here and there. You, get, you sort of get some of the basic uh, background history with certain characters here and there in certain movies. So it, to me, it's still sort of the same same thing in my uh, point of uh, in my opinion. 
Well, I, I will respectfully disagree with you there. I, I think the movies. Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about like, for example, GMK. How I've always said that uh, the human characters in that movie are some of the worst. In fact, I think they're the second worst group of human characters in a live action Godzilla movie. I, and I've always said the ones from Shin Godzilla I think are even worse, just because uh, again, the the motives are not there. None. There's nobody likable there, etc. Um, you know, I've explained that numerous times here on this podcast and what have you. Um, but I, I don't like hate anybody here. I just, I'm like, I can't connect with anybody, nor do I understand much of what the villains are after. And again, I understand this is a series, but by the end of this first season, we should at least have more of an idea of kind of where they're going with it. And I don't have that. I just don't. And that to me is a problem. Um, okay, now let's go to the good. So my first point here is I enjoy most of the kaiju redesigns. However, I deeply dislike the metamorphoses of Godzilla. We already actually talked about that. Um, let me skip here. Uh, I also enjoyed how much of those designs looked more animal-like as well as some of their personalities coming off as more animal-like. Like Angerus a couple times like would use his nose and like – like nuzzle something too like i i like that i like a lot of these redesigns manda had more of like a fish type uh eyes and stuff on it like i l enjoyed these redesigns and the fact that on some level the the kaiju kind of act more animal like the fact that rodan is by and large a pteranodon just with two you know spike crests you know mm -hmm. so yeah and then yeah when it comes to those designs they're I'd say they're really unique in their own ways, and I think uh, some of these kaiju's def desperately needed a little bit of an upgrade when it comes to this day and age and all that. But uh, as I say, when it comes to Megalon, it was I didn't quite get used to it in a way because you know, and like like, coming like out you the biggest question mark, like you said. Um, uh, earlier in the episode that you thought it was Kumanga. I sort of thought it was Kumanga at first until I saw the the more unique traits to and Megalon. I, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, that's really <laughs> Megalon? That's how they portrayed him? So that was, to me, that was sort of the, the most unusual design that I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around. I'll, I'll Megalon. I'll slightly one-up you on that in Hedora, like being Megalon's blood or whatever. That, that and then is. Well, <laughs> that and then, as we stated earlier, the metamorphosis or the evolution of Godzilla, where they had Titanosaurus as the first evolution, and then the second one being Varan for some strange reason, just forcing some of these Easter eggs. Yeah, again, this is something that but, I've already discussed, and I'm not much of a well, fan of. Both and of so. But uh, <laughs> just kind of getting the more of the good things that I wasn't sure when going into watching this uh, show that I wasn't sure what kind of uh, animation that they were going to go with. Because the way I was sort of thinking that they were probably still going with that uh, anime CGI sort of look that uh, the Godzilla trilogy from a few years ago did. But uh, surprisingly, they went with the animation that's sort of being 
more and more used nowadays over in Japan just to kind of uh, kind of get uh, you know faster production going with and as well as get more action uh, like all <laughs> the action packed not a whole lot of action well here. I'm talking about the anime style that uh, with this sort of style that they went with is that it produces more uh, more animation with uh, kind of the deadlines and stuff that Japan usually has over there and then it also uh, gives them more time to do like these crazy uh, action packed sort of stuff because it's the same animation style that's used in this uh, in the more recent uh, Dragon Ball Super Broly movie which I have and I have seen in theaters it's phenomenal in a way and I really like the animation style that they use uh for Godzilla singular point. Now that's interesting you bring that up because to me it looked like the the regular anime minus some scenes involving some of the kaiju or that looked like it was indeed computer generated. Yeah, some to of me, them is just, uh, computer generated, but it seemed that they've evolutionized more that CG or kind of blended in the the animation style and CG together. And because to me, most of the animation just seemed like like what you would see in Pokemon, for example. To me, it's just what I would call traditional animation in the sense of the anime's case is that that's to me just looked like it, they went back to old school is kind of what I'm saying. I will say this, and I didn't write this down in my notes. I do like the color palette by and large uh, throughout mm-hmm. the series. It's kind of like reds and creams um you know it feels more colorful compared to uh the the 3d uh godzilla trilogy the godzilla anime trilogy from a few years back and then yeah and that was a different story they were trying to tell there too different time period you know all that stuff kind of semi-dystopian like the the events were part of the reason of what drove that color palette to be what it is but yeah um so, um, well, since I already talked about color, uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about something else that you like about it? And uh, when it comes to at least kind of the whole, the overall, overall kind of uh, look and feel, as well as with the story and the story plot and plot device, it felt more like that they were trying to blend kind of that atmosphere from both the Showa, Heisei, Millennium series together as far as the kind of story that they were trying to go with and, you know, with a lot of the uh, films and stuff of the past that they kind of went with a lot of the science uh, sort of uh, backgrounds and everything, you know, you hear the famous thing, uh, famous words Toho science in a way, and that's sort of kind of the thing that I kind of uh, got with kind of this whole overall feeling when it comes to this show. Yeah, because I remember you bringing that up before I think I even started watching, and I was on the lookout for that because you got me excited there for a while, and I kept looking for it and looking for it, and then kind of by, I think, episode five, I gave up. I just don't see it like you do. I just don't. I, I to me, like I said, when it, uh, like I said earlier, when it came to you know the Godzilla making landfall and all that, 
all that stuff for the longest time reminded me so much of Shin. I just got a Shin vibe, and I and I was just like, you know, this is shit because <laughs> you know I, I don't like that movie, and I hated the fact too that not only were they trying to copy a movie that I think is downright terrible, uh, they they were rehashing. You know, just reusing something instead of trying to do something different. Um, you know, I, I I still don't see it the way that you did. I, I looked at it and I'm like, the only thing that this reminds me of is Shin. Everything else is kind of its own thing is kind of how I looked at it. But I didn't get the vibe of like a Showa or Heisei or a Millennium uh, from it other than, you know, some of the Kaiju, obviously. But as far as like its tone, I, I didn't get that. Uh, yeah. really. And then when it comes to the characters, I didn't quite see how you didn't uh, get attached to them a whole lot. I felt, felt like that you kind of went along an adventure with them and trying to understand a lot of things too. And I think, I think I kind of attached with some of the other characters and even the side characters a little bit more than what you have. I just, I will, I, I will kind of take back what I said. There, there is one and a half characters that I don't care for. Um, the, the boss of the Otaki factory, the old guy, I don't like him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, do you know that one guy, the owner of the the, the factory? Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, to me, he was there for comic relief, and he failed each and every time. Um, and Yoon, at times, I thought uh, was just dry. Uh, his psychic Taro, I think, is his name. The the big buffy guy. Um, he had more personality to him. I would say out of all the human characters, he probably was the most likable. But even then, uh, th there just wasn't much of their characters because like I was saying earlier, we don't get to see them have some type of a personal life to try to get to know them better or anything like that. Everything's about this adventure, which would be fine if it was better told. Uh, but, you know, like I, I – if you aren't going to give me nonstop action, then you got to give me good characters. And a lot of people, uh, you know, complained about the anime trilogy being dull and that there wasn't a whole lot of kaiju action. Well, one of the main reasons why I love it is because I thought the characterizations there were incredible. I've been on record here at least a couple times saying that I think some of the best character writing out of the entire Godzilla saga is from those three films um, because I, I just am like you got characters here that I can relate to I understand their motives um, I can relate to them especially Haruo the, the main character and the hero of it all which is very important uh, here I didn't get that I couldn't figure anybody out because the, the writers never took the time to give them some type of personal life to where you can kind of explore them or just even in the midst of the adventure, sort of like what they did with the anime trilogy, just tell their story through the events that are unfolding. They just didn't do that. And again, I don't understand it. it the, the, the writing um, decisions they made here 
have me boggled, but at the same time, very frustrated because this should have been better, in my opinion, than what it is. And I'm deeply disappointed, but get on with the good stuff. Yeah. So um, another point was seeing a number of different kaiju was nice. <laughs> um, you know, that's something I, I can say good. So yeah. your turn. <laughs> and I was like, even though that we sort of complain a little bit about the, the pandering parts and stuff, there at least there is one exception for me is that I know I have a special place in my heart when it comes <laughs> to the 84 Godzilla. And when I heard the roar that they use for Godzilla – Oh, man, it sort of just made my day. (laughs) Um, The final good point that I have is that, look, even though I'm not a fan of this series, and I – time will tell. This is an ongoing story, and I'm going to keep watching it until it ends. Hopefully it will end at some point, however many seasons that will take. I'm still going to keep watching it because I want to see how this unfolds. I'm going to save my absolute final opinion on the series until this whole thing ends. But as of right now, I don't like it. But despite that, I will get – once again, like I did with Shin, I will give him an A for effort. I will give him an A for at least trying something different. This is different even though, yes, they did rehash a lot of Shin. Boo. Um the fact, though, that in the grand scheme of things, in terms of the type of story that they were telling, despite the fact it was messy as hell, they tried something different. And I will give them an A on that. And see, I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, I can't think of. Much You're supposed many. to be the defender here. <laughs> Try to sell me on this here. Well, in a, as far as a story, like I know you, you have a kind of a fit with it, and I then mean, you quite, fit. remember that, yeah. long-time listeners, <laughs> yeah, and uh, kind of a list of things of it. To me. And I know that you and I can have a little inside joke about thinking a little too much. And I think that's sort of what you did as far as the, the more I thought about it in the way that you were talking about it. To me, I just sort of turned off my brain and just kind of went along with the adventure or the ride with it. And I think it just, when you think about it, it just felt more like a god's like a, like an actual Godzilla TV show or a movie that in that way. Just as I stated earlier, when I kind of had this overall feeling of you know kind of the like the the Showa Heisei and the Millennium uh, kind of uh, atmosphere melded in with the show how they went about it with kind of all the science stuff. That's sort of how I was thinking in a way, just kind of turn off my brain and just kind of went along with the ride. So more or less you're telling me that 
in a roundabout way, you kind of know this isn't good, but because it gave you some type of feel, you enjoy it, which there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Here's what I would say, though. I would say in a roundabout way, you aren't necessarily wrong, but at the same time, you kind of are. <laughs> um, but here's the thing what I will say. Look, um, I enjoy um, – what's a, what's a movie that I – let's see. That is very – I enjoy Godzilla vs. Megalon, okay? When I think about it, it's not a great movie, but that's not a movie that tries to get as complex as this series does. If I were to be objective about it, I would look at that movie and be like, yeah, this there, this isn't much of anything. So, but, so what you're telling me is that with all the movies that we say is good, that we just have to critically think about it most of the time. Is that what you're trying to get at? <laughs> Well, you wouldn't let me finish my point here. It's, my it's point sort of, is sort of where you're getting at here. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm getting at here is that at least those older movies give me a charm, which is the cheesy special effects. The guys in in uh, polystyrofoam, you know, rubber suits wrestling each other. It's the joy of seeing them beat each other up, throw each other in the buildings, etc. Even though I understand in the grand scheme of things, some of the stuff is very preposterous. Like Astro Monster, that is one of my all-time favorite films. The fact, though, that Godzilla and Rodan can get on Planet X and somehow breathe, even though there's really no oxygen in that atmosphere, is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I will give that. But you, but it, just wait here. Let me finish. But in that movie, though, you got awesome characters, okay? Those, I think, are some of the best characters in the saga. But then, too, you have some fun special effects romp. This particular series didn't give me any characters to latch on. The kaiju action was minimal, uh, very repetitive, especially when it came to the Rodans. Like every moment there was like a Rodan invasion, it, everything was the same. Uh, the Godzilla action obviously was very sparse, not that entertaining. Um, and the fact that the story as a whole uh, is so complex that just certain things came up after a while where I realized that – like the whole thing with uh, the taking of the code and taking it into the past where my first initial thought when he said that was you're killing suspense here because all you're doing is indefinitely delaying a catastrophe so that you can find the answer to stop it. That kills all suspense. You know, That's what I'm saying. This – series didn't give me fun cheesy effects or any good fun characters for me to hold on to i can forgive bad story if you give me either fun goofy action or even good characters so even though you said with some of the good movies they're saying that every a lot of the stuff is very preposterous that can be the same thing applied to here but then you're still critically thinking about it <laughs> Right, but my point though too is that those other movies gave me something to hold on to and to enjoy. This doesn't give me anything, like anything substantive. It doesn't give me the characters because like I talked about earlier, I think the characterizations are bland. We don't really get to know them all that well as far as personality-wise other than what they display in the show. And they're basically on this adventure the whole time. We don't really get to know them all that well. There's not much in the way of kaiju action either. The anime trilogy didn't have much in the way of kaiju action, but it gave me characters that I can connect with and 
understand and all that. Everything has at least one thing for me to grasp onto. This doesn't. This doesn't give me any sort of handlebar to grab on. Is well, what I'm saying. Did Everything me, else so, has. So I would say. I would say, in the end, we can agree to disagree. And you're wrong, but that's your opinion. And you're wrong, too, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Pains are like assholes. Everybody has one. <laughs> so do we want to go into final thoughts here? Yep. Why don't you go ahead? All right. I got a long one here, so bear with me here. By the way, I got one little segment uh, that I want both of us to answer on here, and I think uh, everybody's going to know my answer to it, but I'm curious about you uh, and all that, and I think it's fun because it's something that we should do um, for obvious reasons, as we'll get to here in a moment. So here's my final thoughts on the first part of uh, Singular Point. There's a moment in, I believe it was episode nine, where Taro tells Yoon, I still don't follow. At that point, part of it was the utter confusion of what they were attempting to tell in the story, but the other aspect involved me, by and large, being frustrated and beginning to not care about the series. It was completely unnecessary for the writers to go about their storytelling in the manner that they did. I'm not upset about their ideas. I'm upset in how they wrote about them. The ponderous pace left me beyond frustrated by episode 9, even though I started becoming frustrated by episode 5. What also made me incredibly upset was Jet Jaguar being the orthogonal diagonalizer. With that being the case, it tells me that so much of what took place over these 13 episodes could have been avoided had Jet Jaguar made this known much sooner. And because it's a computer, I'd like to believe it would have mentioned this fact much sooner. The characters on both sides of the aisle are not developed, and that's the problem. I understand there will be another season, but we should know who who are uh, who are. Well, I forgot a word there. Who the heroes are, and have an idea of what the villains are after. We also don't get much kaiju action. Sure, we get a lot of Rodan action, but it's all the same. I know some may point out that there isn't much in the anime trilogy, and I enjoy that immensely. This is true. However, that story had well-written characters whose stories gradually unfolded, and any questions that were brought up were answered by story's end. With that being said, I will still hold off on complete judgment of the characters because the story arc hasn't concluded. At the same time, though, I still must say that this first season still did not do a good job with the characters anyway. I needed to know a little bit about them and to be able to connect with them. That was not the case. Let me scroll down here. With all of this being said, I have only seen this series one time through as of this recording. With all of that uh, – whoops, I about repeated myself. I am wondering if a second viewing would help with some of the issues, but I truly believe certain aspects will not become better with a second viewing. I'm hoping that a second season and any that may come afterwards fill in some of these problems with the series. I will continue to watch this series through its conclusion, but my expectations will be low. I had hoped for more from this first season and knew not everything was going to be explained, but I did not expect bad characterization and subpar writing. As part of an ongoing series, it's a rent, and a lot of that is due to the story being incomplete. If this were a standalone story, I'd give it a pass. Anyone who has yet to watch the series, I would recommend simply waiting until the series concludes before going through it. Because like me, I believe you're going to be pretty disappointed with this particular outing. So basically, if this were a, a standalone story, I would say pass. But as an ongoing for now, I'm giving it a rent. Yeah, when it comes to uh, Godzilla's singular point, 
Um, I I've got the feeling that you're following the characters onto an adventure, and as far as their backstory, I mean, you get the basic backstories of you know of what they've done in the past that uh, tells into what they're currently doing now. As far as a story. I can say it's above average for what it is, and then as far as the kaiju design, I really like them. Although some some of them are a bit uh, unique, <clears throat> Megalon. Um, you got a real and then, like frog. In <laughs> and then, uh, and then what was it? The animation is really good. I really liked how they did went with more of the traditional animation and, and then along with having the kaiju kind of in that uh, mixture of both traditional and CGI uh, marrying those two together I think it's a, a perfect fit for it uh, the overall look I, I really dig it um, and then of course I have my few gripes here and there when it comes to, uh, you know, the Godzilla evolution there, uh, that sort of thing, and then a few other things. And then as far uh, as a st uh, story and everything, it's it's one of the more unique additions to the Godzilla franchise and uh, as far as the space-time continuum sort of uh, aspect for it, I know they sort of messed with the whole time uh, thing in the past. <laughs> uh, That's a movie with problems, too. <laughs> uh, but I think the, how they went about it, I think it's much more unique in a way, and I think you just kind of need to take the time with it and as far as the kaiju action i think there's a little bit more in there than you lead on <laughs> in my opinion um but you're entitled to it i respectfully disagree <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that i i really enjoyed uh from what i've seen so far but uh we'll kind of have to see what uh season two uh, entails uh, whenever they decide to announce when they're going to be doing that here. So it's probably obviously going to be next year, uh, hopefully. Uh, so, so far, <laughs> I I probably would at least say a buy on this one. All right. Well, the one thing I wanted to get to uh, before we conclude this episode, and I feel like we have to do this because in this day and age, when you get something of one thing and then a while later you get something similar, you have to compare it. Okay? So uh, basically what I'm asking is we got to compare or at least just give our preference. I will just say that. On our current favorite uh, Godzilla anime, do you prefer the anime trilogy or Singular Point? I would say overall, uh, based on kind of my own rating that I have in my head, I probably will still prefer the anime trilogy. Okay, I that's kind of it. I thought maybe you would just a tad bit 
uh, go with singular point. But yeah, I mean, everybody knows where I stand on this. I, I'm a huge fan uh, of the anime trilogy. It's the the move or the the story, I should say, uh, in terms of the films. And I more or less, even though they're three separate films, I consider them as one movie because it's the same story. Yeah. Even even with singular point, even though I think it's. Uh, pretty good in its own right but it's not quite high up as far as the anime perspective yeah and again i you, you know look i didn't really like this season one at all if you didn't know um, no really <laughs> newsflash i broke the <laughs> broke the news today. <laughs> you even broke like, yourself <laughs> i mean i'm still gonna follow this story because i am even though, like I said, my expectations are low right now going forward, even though I kind of want to get excited about that Mechagodzilla, but I'm kind of like, no, I got disappointed with this one, uh, keeping it on uh, the down low. Um, you know, I'm still going to stick with it and just to see how things go. But I think, um, you know, fi- absolute final, final judgment will happen at some point in the future. And who knows? Maybe my opinion will change at that point. But as it stands, uh, definitely the anime trilogy, uh, th- that whole m- movie trilogy. And when I count it as one movie, it's easily sits in my top 10 favorite Godzilla films of all time i just i adore that series uh an awful lot i i not only like just the whole concept of it i really love the characters i love the kaiju designs yeah the 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 kaiju battles and stuff aren't uh in there a whole lot but what we do get i think is still pretty exciting and and unique like mechagodzilla is a city you know um (laughs) yeah i got one question for you as since we're comparing the two as far as the godzilla design which one do you prefer that's tough um <laughs> that is tough because there are some aspects of the anime trilogy i really dig like godzilla being like was it like tree-like uh, in a way um or plant-like yeah like that part of his character i dig it because it's so interesting that is tough. I'm gonna. This is a cop out, but I like both at the same time. Like I really do like this one, and I don't like the long tail on this one though. Uh, the Bandai figure looks terrible. It makes this design look yeah, awful. The, yeah, um, the Bandai figure, in my opinion, and I think I might, might have told you at one point that it just looks really cheap. It it looked awful. Have you, by the way, just a quick side. Have you seen Bandai's uh, 2021 Mechagodzilla figure? No, I have not. Look it up. I was going to uh, purchase that to complete my Kong stuff. And then I saw it and I said, no, it is awful. Yeah, when it comes to some of these figures nowadays, I think I, I'd said I probably would prefer the Tomashi or the SH Monster Art version over the, the Bandai pro- ones. T- Bandai anymore, in my opinion, seems to have gotten sloppy. Like, just the quality is not there like it used to be. And then at first, I think when we saw some of the Playmate uh, figurines and stuff, uh, specifically the Godzilla uh, versus Khan ones, and some of them from what I've seen, and some of the other ones that they've done, I was like, some of them, they sort of look cheap in a way but then when you actually Get saw em. them when you saw them in person particularly uh gvk ones that they they were like kind of in that heavy duty 
uh, sort They're of material. Well made. Yeah. They are well made. I I mean I own minus the Hong Kong versions of Godzilla and Kong. I own you know all those Playmate uh figures. I like like I don't know if, wh- which way is it. It's over here. I got the Skull Crawler and and Mecha Godzilla sitting up on the shelf there. And so yeah, I really um dig it. There was some, oh, um this was something I thought about bringing up um in my conclusion and I forgot to do so. This is a question. I, I this is for both of us. Um, in my personal opinion, because I did not like this outing, I've gotten to a point where, with the exception of the anime trilogy, I almost feel like maybe the Japanese should just stop with Godzilla for a good long while. Uh, Final Wars, I kind of enjoy it simply because it's got the you know the 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 man in suit stuff so there's always a charm with that but in my opinion japan has not made a even a, a remotely decent godzilla movie at least live action you know since 2000 uh, i kind of like particular aspects of X Mag Godzilla. I think Tokyo SOS is maybe the next best one in my opinion uh, out of that millennium. But other than that, I'm like the anime trilogy is the next best thing. I almost feel like well, and they're obsessed with Shin Godzilla because like I said, we get it again in aspects here. D- do you think that maybe the Japanese need to just seed the Godzilla character for a while? Uh, I'm not sure yet because I know that they've been wanting to do their own sort of uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe-esque version of the franchise. So if they do actually move forward with it, and I know that it, that's been talked about for the last few or so years, but if they actually do move forward with it, I would like to at least see what they actually do with it as far as the live action part first before I would make my own conclusion. Yeah, and I mean that's a good point. Um, I am very curious about that too, but for me just up to this point, and I started thinking about this, I'm like, you know, the other than the anime trilogy, I, I don't think they've really made anything that's been relatively decent i used to be a big fan of tokyo sos and the more i've watched that the more i'm like it's pretty bland in my opinion now um i I just i'm looking at it and i'm like they have not really done any in my opinion anything really unique or interesting with the godzilla property other than the anime trilogy i mean shin in my opinion is a huge failure um this right now is not looking really good. Final Wars is not good. Uh, Tokyo SOS is bland. X Mechagodzilla is bland. Uh, GMK I don't care for. Mega Gears I'm liking a bit more with time, but I still don't think it's anything to write home about. Speaking uh, of uh, Mega Gears, the one thing I did also yeah. like in Singular Point is that they brought back the like the original designer version of Mega Nulon from the Mega 56 Nulon. Rodan. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, if they weren't doing their own MCU style, uh, you know, if they hadn't announced that, I would say, no, I, I think the Japanese need to just stop making these for maybe 20 years and just 
give the license back over to Warner Brothers and Legendary if they want and just continue the MonsterVerse. Uh, even though I've had some uh, uh, complaints about the MonsterVerse, especially the tone that they eventually took with, the, with that universe, in the grand scheme of things, though, despite some of the issues I had with King of the Monsters and Kong, um, meaning Godzilla versus Kong, um, and well, and even I have some issues with Skull Island, but uh, not with tone, anyways. Um, I f- I felt more invested in that universe. I I really thought this was cool this was actually going somewhere and that they could continue this and actually make it more entertaining than anything that the japanese have done in like 20 years again minus the anime trilogy um i I just i I felt like warner brothers and legendary really had something going on there they obviously executed uh some of it i really think that if Warner Brothers and Legendary wanted to do more, and Toho gave them the license to do so, including license for more characters. That would take off into something bigger, and, and I just think I think you know Warner Brothers and Legendary have already proven that they've done better than what what Toho has been able to do uh, for quite some time now. Well, and at least sort of setting up this uh, continual backstory that they have done i would say starting with king of the monsters kind of going more in depth with godzilla and his myth uh, mythology and as well as the other titans as well yeah i mean i'm still kind of mad that they just kind of off the titans the way that they did but um, you know like i said i have my gripes about that that universe but I, just in the grand scheme of things though like like when you look at my facebook profile now you probably saw that i have a monsterverse banner uh on my profile right maybe let me, let but me anyways, go, let me I have it on there, which means that <laughs> I like the MonsterVerse. But, um, well, I know, well, I know on my Facebook thing, I had the split of Godzilla. Yeah, you got, the, you got the split face. For, for a while. Yeah, um, but I mean, I do like the MonsterVerse. I, I think despite oh, yeah, my yeah, problems, yeah, I saw that one, it's yeah. – um, very entertaining. Like I was talking about earlier how this particular season one of Singular Point didn't give me anything. It didn't give me kaiju action or characters to grasp on, whereas a film like Megalon, yeah, in a big technical objective standpoint, the, the film is ridiculous. But the 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 special effects and the uh, action sequences give me something to hold on to and to be like, look, th- this film is really ridiculous, but I sure do have a lot of fun with it. That's kind of how the MonsterVerse became with King of the Monsters on into Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm like, sadly, these two movies deviated uh, from the tone and, and all that that was being taken with 2014 and then Skull Island. I'm like, I'm disappointed that they deviated from that, but by golly, these are fun to watch. So, you know, grasping onto the entertainment factor of those two films, it's like, yeah, the stories are preposterous. There's a lot of issues with it, but it's fun to watch. I like watching Godzilla smack King Ghidorah around and Mothra fighting Rodan and all that stuff and Godzilla fighting Kong and 
you know, unfortunately, for whatever reason, Godzilla is OP'd and, and all that. But, um, you know, well, I was trying to say, <laughs> but, but, you know, I still find it entertaining. It's still fun to watch. To me, you know, this first season of, of SP was just not fun to watch by and large. I like the angriest parts. Like there were bits and moments, but they're just as a whole just was not enough. Uh, sadly, for me to just kind of hang on and to be like, look, this is ridiculous, but I like this aspect, so I'll go with it. You know, uh, I think certain films and shows can be forgiving if there is a decent, um, if, if there's something within the movie or the show itself that you can hang on to and be like, look, I really like this part or this aspect, and I will like it because of that, despite the fact that what's over here is pretty stinky. So, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, that is it for our discussion of Season 1 of Godzilla Singular Point right now. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Again, we are not coming back until August 21st where we will watch uh, Method, I mean Galgameth. Galgameth. (laughs) (laughs) For our next discussion. Uh, Again, that movie is available on YouTube. Uh, Go ahead and watch it if you wish, and then that way you can join us in the discussion uh, a few weeks from now if you wish uh like i said i expect a terrible film but i think it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about (laughs) so yeah um yeah and uh with that you can watch us uh everywhere on youtube twitch uh facebook periscope and as well as uh d live uh like a like and subscribe to us at those uh places and as well as you can listen to our audio version of our uh podcast over at uh, apple podcast google podcast uh spotify iHeartRadio, and as well as TuneIn. and you can as well uh watch us live at our website at daikaijunetwork.com and so with that once again thank you so much for watching or listening to us and we will see you in a few weeks all right Catch you guys on the flip side.